Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. Welcome back. I'm Jay Keller, your host, and you're listening to the Multimedia Marketing Show. I'm glad you've come back to tune in. Uh, we've got Tim Reed from the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, which is Australia's number one marketing podcast. Um, He's been podcasting since 2009. I'll let him tell you a little bit more about his story and and how he's going now. This is quite an actionable episode. We speak a little bit about why you should be podcasting and also how you can go about getting some advertising. Tim, how are you? G'day, Jake, and hello, listeners. Yeah, now, this is very unusual for me, Tim. I've been a, a big listener of your show since since mid-July, or it was mid, mid-year mid 2009. It's very strange for me to now be on the, the other end of the call and actually interviewing you. Thank you, because it's those people, those early adopters, Jake, that get you, give you that kick along. And I really appreciate listening for that long. You've been one of the, you were one of the first listeners and you've stuck around. So that's great. No, oh, I think that's, an, of course, that's testament to, to, to the quality of your show. Oh. So I really appreciate that. All right. Uh, what do we love to do here, uh, Tim? So our listeners are, are content marketers or budding content marketers in terms of multimedia. And one of the most important forms is podcasting. Now, you are uh, obviously an expert in this field. So I thought it would be fantastic to get you on the show and get some, get some information that we can give to our listeners about how they can go about podcasting as well. Bring it on. Excellent. Just for those listeners who uh, don't know too much about you, Tim, would you mind giving us a little, a brief history of you, what you were doing before you started podcasting and then the reasoning behind starting? Okay. All right. I am a marketing guy through and through. So I went to uni, did marketing. I worked in the corporate end of marketing, large advertising agency, was the marketing manager at Flight Centre. Just every, everything I've done has been around marketing. Then about seven years ago, I decided, you know what? I actually really, every time in my corporate life, when a small business person would ask me a marketing question, they were very um, thankful for my answer and responsive and they would act on it. And that was different to the corporate world where meetings need to needed to occur and minutes needed to be taken, Jake. And it was like, oh, I love small business. And I reckon the knowledge that I have around marketing is going to really help small businesses grow if they choose to listen to it. And so, okay, so I went and started a business that was just me consulting to small businesses. And about about four years into that, so three years ago, I started a podcast called Small Business Big Marketing, which was my way at the time. And I had a co-host at the time, Luke. It was our way of giving back to the small business community. It was podcasts are free. And I just couldn't believe it because I'd been listening to podcasts for about at that time, about four years. And I was like, I can't believe that a small business can have their own show. Like that just, even today, it spins me out. The fact that we can complete compete on a level playing field with some big guys. I get the biggest giggle, Jake, when I look at the iTunes rankings and see my podcast, Small Business Big Marketing, competing against... Seth Godin or the Australian Stock Exchange or Harvard Business School. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> no, it certainly is. And um, given the fact that even the, the production level or the production quality is, is as good, if not better, than these, these big guys with big budgets. So yeah. that's really incredible. 
It is. So it's exciting time. You say podcasting is a key component of content marketing. You and I think it is because we're podcasters. Content marketing is a lot broader, but there's so much beauty to podcasting. The fact that you and I can have this, what I I call them fireside conversations because they are done well. Certainly for my show, that's what I like to think they are. I just just sent a note off to a guest that I'm interviewing this afternoon and said to him, look forward to seeing you around the campfire. Because that's how I view them. They're personal. You get the opportunity to interview people. You would never have thought you'd have the opportunity to interview. Like I interviewed the guy yesterday from Willet Blend, that great video viral marketing series. Yes. And it's like I tapped him on the shoulder, not literally, but just I sent him an email. I can't even think how. I might have just been through the website, got to his PR guy, and next thing you know, you're interviewing him. Yeah, it's exciting times, mate, and, and podcasting certainly right up there in my kind of content marketing strategy. Yeah, it certainly is. Now, why don't why don't we get, get a little bit about the format of the show? So, as you said, you've, you're were you did have a co-host so explain maybe to our listeners about the initial format of the show and how you've changed that slightly now initial the first um 80 episodes of small business big marketing was done with a co-host and a really good mate of mine luke and it worked beautifully it was like i think the co-host strategy for podcasting works when you're actually good mates and you can have conversations off air that can be brutal when you can get cross at each other and you can tell each other you thought you did that well or you could have done that better or I wish you'd shut up then. And Luke and I could have those conversations, which were great. And so the format of that show was literally like every episode of Small Business Big Marketing we interview. The criteria is that we interview a small business owner somewhere in the world that is doing crackingly good marketing of some sort, right? They're just cranking some aspect of their marketing and as a result, have a successful business. Basically, the format is now, and it, it hasn't really changed except it's just me jabbering to myself before the interview. I don't, I haven't replaced the co-host. So I come on, I share some marketing stuff that's on my mind from a marketing point of view that I think will help small business owners. I then launch into the interview. I then come out of that interview, make a comment and say goodbye. Always mention my sponsor in net registry and some aspect of what they're doing for small business. And then I, and that's it. Generally, they go for about, I don't know, they reckon they average 40 minutes, but it's that, that's the kind of format. I haven't played with it too much. I am going to do a few things differently in the new year, but I'm in planning stage right now. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess the big thing is if something's working, there's no point changing it up. Correct. Mm. Correct. All right. I think that's a, a good segue. You, you just mentioned net registry. Uh, so this is potentially a good segue into how you've gone about monetizing the podcast and we'll get mm-hmm. behind the scenes now and really dig into the gold for our audience. You started in 2009. Did you have a plan at that early stage to monetize? How did you think to monetize and how has that changed over the last three years? I had this grand plan from day one, which then fizzled out into podcasting being a hobby for the first kind of 12 to 18 months. The grand plan was, huh, I've got a show now, we'll make money from it. It was like, it was just a straight line. Obviously, we'll make money from it. And that absolutely wasn't the case. And in fact, I had a great chat to a mate of mine who I worked with in advertising, whose opinion I really respected and and talked to him about it. And he said, the smart marketer, (laughs) which I thought I was, he said, what you should do is you you just got to build your audience. You got to invest the time and the money and the resources and build an audience. Because if you are... Certainly, if you're planning to make money off the back of advertising and or sponsorship, then they're just going to want to see numbers and they're going to want to see 
either some certainly numbers or some kind of qualitative kind of reference that you are doing okay. I'm more a qualitative guy than I am a quantitative guy. Fortunately, my show pretty consistently ranks, not always, but consistently holds a spot, always holds a spot in the top 10 on iTunes and consistently ranks number one. So that was just good proof to a potential sponsor. So it was, gee, I reckon it was like two and a bit years into it that I then put together a sponsorship proposal and started knocking on doors. And is that the main form of monetization? Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, it's every now and then I will interview someone who has a service or a product that I believe my listeners will really benefit from. And occasionally that'll have an affiliate um, attached to it. And if that's the case, then I'll put that affiliate in the show notes and send it around to my list via email and and do it that way. But certainly registry sponsorship is now starting to is starting to fund what I'm doing properly. And it's interesting, your costs go up too. As you become more popular, your hosting costs get, get a bit out of control and the time you spend. You'd never want to factor in your hourly rate, Jake, on a podcast because that'd start to make the numbers look a bit uh, senseless. But it's fun too. No, it is. And I think that's a, a big thing that I've found out of it in my early podcasting career to date is that, as you mentioned earlier on, it's just the, the networking and mm. the people you've got get access to is, is incredible. Isn't it unreal? Like I talk about the Dobermans and the Dobermans are those people in generally in business that stand between you and someone that you want to speak to. And I'm not just talking about getting an interview. I'm just talking about, geez, I'd like to talk to such and such. And then you make the phone call and you get the receptionist or you get the, the personal assistant or you get someone else in the business and they are immediately cagey about, oh, what are you selling? What do you got to sell? Whereas if you can, if you ring up and say, "Hey, listen, I want to interview such and such," bang, that's yep, put you through. It's almost like you, you go from that. Oh, the, the, the thing is, here's what I'm selling you to. Hey, come and sell me and my audience. Yeah, 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 yeah correct. So, Com- complete change of dynamic. Yeah, it's really interesting. Or I think one other thing I think potentially maybe is driving your business a little bit. The perception from my end here is that potentially the podcasting has built your authority in the market and it's potentially could, has driven today your consulting side of your, your business. Mm-hmm. Would that be the case? I'll give you a great story, Jake. It, it has, rightly or wrongly. It, it's, as a marketing guy, if, if you've got small business owners listening to this, speaking is a great marketing strategy, right? That, it's just, it just is. As soon as you walk up on a stage or as soon as you turn on a microphone or you sit in front of a camera, you run a webinar, I don't know, you cross this invisible line and that invisible line on the other side says you're an authority. Now, whether that's right or wrong, whether you are or you aren't, I I don't know, but it is a great strategy and podcasting is obviously a form of speaking and it has been a great way for me to build my personal brand and it's a great way for anyone to build their personal brand and we should be because people buy from people. It's just that's simple. People don't buy from companies, you buy from people. We buy Apple because of what Steve Jobs did to an extreme example. Although you don't, Jake, and we'll get you across the line at some point. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly right. And that's the way you certainly should be looking at it. The email address that you're collecting on your site isn't actually an email address. Doe at gmail.com is actually John. He's got a name and he's a person. So He is, absolutely. So look, the story I was going to tell you was so one of the things that podcasting and, and with my business going into the new year is I am absolutely, I've been doing a lot of keynote speaking this year and I really love it. I love sharing knowledge. I love teaching marketing and I love connecting with people at that kind of from the stage level. And so I've been doing a lot of that. Now, 
I've just come off a nine event roadshow for an insurance company and it was the biggest job I did all year from both a revenue point of view, from just an energy and resources and time point of view. And it was fantastic. Guess how they found me? They didn't find me through the podcast directly. They found me because every search they did on Google around small business marketing, I kept on popping up. So the marketing manager at this insurance company rings a speaker's bureau who she's connected with and says, I don't know who this Timbo Reed guy is, but every search I'm doing around small business marketing, he keeps popping up, find him. And the reason I kept popping up is because I kept creating podcast episodes. Yeah, it's a classic, it's a classic content marketing case study. It's a classic one. And as a result, and then obviously she started listening to the show and then she started asking around what was great was that in her office, and I get a laugh, my show's called Small Business Big Marketing, and I'm t- we're talking here about someone from a large insurance company. Then she walks around her office and she goes, does anyone listen to this show, Small Business Big Marketing? And sure enough, two people on her floor, like, that is ace. And that, that's I was really chuffed when I heard that because it's not as if I'm, I've got a national radio show. But what I have got is a global podcast because it, it, it was downloaded in 94 countries last month, including Kazakhstan, by the way. And so that's very cool. And I'm a one-man show. And it's just, it's exciting times, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, let's move on. Let's move on to the actionable part of the interview for our listeners. So you've given us a bit of background our listeners should now, if they don't already, they should know that podcasting is something they should look at. So let's let's get into, for the rest of the interview, we'll focus on a couple of points. First, I want to get maybe your opinion on the format that's working for you, which we've just touched on, and some forms of uh, monetization. You've discussed one, there's another one we'll probably look at as well. Right. Then how I uh, think the most important part is the format that our listeners should look to create. So looking at whether or not they should be interviewing people, bringing in co-hosts, et cetera, et cetera. Righto. All right. So let's start off with what would you say is working for you right now? Yeah, it's a good question. There's a few things. What works is getting a great guest. For me, identifying a guest that is just going to be a giving. Really, like I, I did an interview yesterday, Jake, and I don't know whether I can put it to air because there was just no dynamic between me and the guest it was i just chose the wrong person right he wasn't an authority in his field like i thought he was he didn't share his knowledge in in a great way whereas the willard blend guy who the episode i put up yesterday he was just unreal like he just had this energy and he knew that he was there to share his knowledge and to get people excited about blenders and video marketing and all that type of stuff so that was great so I think it's really incumbent upon any podcast to do, have some kind of criteria, some kind of filter that determines whether that person would be good on the show. Because just because someone knows a whole lot about something doesn't actually necessarily make them a good guest. So that's working for me right now. The other thing that works for me, I just think you've got to put stuff out on a consistent basis. You've got to set an expectation with your listeners and put something out regularly. So I put a show out every Tuesday of small business, big marketing, and I'm going to up that in the new year as I get even more excited about about just interviewing people because it is a lot of fun. What else is working for me? I reckon they're the two major ones. And having a sponsor in Net Registry that's worked really well because it's just made my life a lot easier. And when you start... And, and sponsorships, getting sponsorship isn't for everyone, but it does, knowing that there's that regular income coming in does allow you to focus on actually creating the content. Sure. Okay. Let's, the two points you've brought up there, I want to go in a little bit deeper. So you talk about getting in, giving guests 
how do you go about ensuring that the people you're interviewing are going to meet? What I didn't do with the guy that I interviewed yesterday was check him out. I didn't look at, I didn't YouTube him. I didn't Google him. I didn't find other interviews that he'd done. I took it on someone else's word that he was good. Shouldn't have done that. So what I do is I just find other interviews that these people have done. Again, the Will at Blend guy, that wasn't hard. He's on, he's got 150 very funny videos out there. So he's a bit of a character and it proved, that proved to be right. I'm interviewing, I don't always interview celebrity type people, but I happen to be interviewing Mia Friedman today from Mummy, Mamma Mia, the mummy blogger of blow of national fame. So I know what she's like. She's got a national radio show. Yeah. Just checking them out online is the best thing to do. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it doesn't take a lot of time to do that either. I know I, I usually put in a bit of research, whether it's an hour or so per episode, usually just before I, I come on air. And that will involve either listening to a podcast or just doing a bit of a Google search, making sure I've uh, checked out their websites. Um, yeah. So I'd agree with that. That's a fantastic way to, to make sure you're primed for the particular interview. Correct. Now, the second part is the the advertising. Now, you talked about earlier about putting together uh, essentially a portfolio or an advertising proposal. Mm. How do you go about doing that in terms of like how, how do you work out how much you're worth uh, to your advertisers and what do advertisers want to see? Yeah, so the, the whole process of getting a sponsor, it wasn't easy because as much as you'd love to think podcasting is now front and centre, it's not but it's a lot better than it was three, four, five years ago. When you walk out on the street now or whenever I give a keynote, I always, obviously, I get introduced as a guy with the number one marketing podcast in Australia. And one of the questions I put to the audience is, who listens to podcasts? And what I'm seeing now is a few more hands go up this year than I did last year and the year before. It's probably now maybe three in 10 people. No, I reckon about four, four and a half in 10 people have heard of a podcast and another, and half of those would regularly listen to a podcast. So the bar is low, which I think is really exciting, big opportunity. So first of all, I had to get through, and I was knocking on the doors of sponsors that first I knew would have a relevance to my listeners. There's no use being sponsored by an, an energy drink company. Oh, I suppose you could, energy drink company could work actually, because every small business owner is tired. I needed a sponsor that had relevance to my audience. So that was the first thing. Second thing, they needed to be, they needed to have enough dough to allocate money into podcasts as a marketing channel for them. So they already needed to be out there on TV or radio or press, print, doing expos, etc. I then put together a proposal and the proposal was quite, it was quite a big document. And I'm not actually into long documents, but the reason it was big is because I started off by grabbing about 120 testimonials that people had lit, written on iTunes and the whole premise of my sponsorship proposal was that people love my show. And I use the word love because they do. And I could prove it because of the, the written reviews I was getting on iTunes. The, the word love was used often. And love's a really powerful word in marketing. And the whole idea of building a brand is about building emotional emotional enga engagement. And so I used the word love and I said, people love my show. And then there were just pages and pages um, of written testimonials that I'd, I'd taken off iTunes and, and my LinkedIn profile. After that, a sponsorship proposal is broken up into two things. What have you got and what do they want? So I, sorry, what do you got and what do you want? So what I what have I got? I detailed what I had, which was a, a podcast, and you know these were the opportunities to immerse your brand into the podcast, 
and this is what I want. And what I wanted was was money. It was uh, Contra. If the Contra worked, it was the opportunity to be shared on that brand social networks if they had a big enough list and Facebook and Twitter and all that type of stuff. And I just got lots of knock, knockbacks, Jake. Don't know how many. I should actually look back because it was quite a few and it probably formed the basis of a good story. But in the end, I found Net Registry um, at an expo in Melbourne and they looked really professional and had a great setup. And they were all about helping small businesses get their online marketing sorted. So it was a match made in heaven. And that took about six months. Okay. And did you, was it more of a consultative process in terms of setting, setting on? the rates or et cetera, et cetera, about with net registry or did you go to them with a, with a rate card or something? I went with a monthly fee, a monthly investment on their behalf that, that would make, would allow me to really just focus on putting the content, putting the shows together and they took it and they bought that. And then that was about a three month contract. And then we renegotiated for another six months where we negotiated a split between cash and contra and it still works to this day and it's been fantastic and they're great people now and and the relationships evolve like i get a lot of listener questions so sometimes i answer them on the show sometimes i put a whole episode together of listener questions and now what net registry are doing is if there are any online marketing questions specifically then i forward it to them they write a blog post and they become guest bloggers on the blog which appears on smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. So it's a kind of, it is just the relationship has just found new ways of helping it work for both parties. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a big vote of confidence that you've got got a second contract. So you're obviously over-delivering. Correct. You you had this fee. I really do want to get into into how you you come across this fee. Was there a formula you used to decide how much a show worth, or are you just pulling a number out of thin air to that 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 would um would be appealing to? There was no formula, and it wasn't thin air. So it was like you know what I know what advertising costs. I know that thirty second radio spots, TV spots. I know what it, it costs of print advertising is, and it's just it's bloody high. What I've got is the opportunity to embed yourself in a show that has some flexibility and personality beyond just placing an ad. Like Net Registry, don't place ads in my show. I do live reads and I mention Net Registry in the context of what I'm talking about. There's value in that. And as a result, I arrived at a fee, which I can't share with you, no. that worked for both parties. And it's certainly, it's value for money. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, as I said, um, the fact that you're, you've re- renegotiated a second contract is, is proof in the pudding. Correct. Okay, let's let's move on from there. Let's go into the final part of the, the episode. How do our listeners go about starting their podcast? Forget the technical side of it. Let's focus on the different types of formats they can use, how they come across topics for each episode, how often you think they should publish. And yeah, I think you've probably got a bit of information you can share with the listeners on that. There's a lot of questions there, Jake. <laughs> yes, there is. Let's break it up. Okay. Break it up. Format of the show. So you've got an interview format. What other formats could our listeners use? Obviously, there's a co-host. So if you have got a colleague, let's just go back a step because before you worry about format, it's like, what are you going to do a show about? And and it's so important that you identify the spine of your show. And let's get the terminology right. You produce a show and that is like – the small business big marketing show in my case you then that show is made up of episodes and each episode is about a different topic that's related to your show 
Okay, I just sometimes I hear I hear people getting the, the terminology wrong and it bugs me. So there you go. I've just that was my rant. Second part is every show, your show should have a spine. And that spine is the theme, is the ongoing overarching theme of your show. So that when it comes time to identify a guest or something to talk about, it's always on theme. So for my show, it's all about small business marketing. That's the theme. So when someone comes to me and they did the other day saying, I am the owner of this amazing new online portal that helps small business owners take control of their finances, I go, well done, but it doesn't fit into my show, right? Yep. So be really clear on the spine of your show and honour it, honour it. I'm, I'm talking to an architect guy at the moment about putting together a show for him. He is an architect that specialises in difficult blocks, right? Awkward blocks that are hard to get planning permits for, that are awkward shapes because, and therefore makes it hard to put a design on it. He wants to do, he wants to do a podcast about architecture, but I'm saying to him, there's too many podcasts on architecture. You, your show, your show has to be about architecture for difficult blocks, right? You're niching it down, you're narrowing it down and everything he does around that show needs to be around difficult blocks because that's what he's good at. Identify your spine then if you're ready, if you've done that, then your structure, your format. Co-host, I think, is a great format if you have someone that you get along with and you can have honest conversations with. If you like just ranting to the microphone by yourself, if you're an opinionated type person and you feel as though you've got something to say with just by yourself, great. And then of course, I added to the co-host format or the just you to microphone format, interview people because that's really easy. Uh, no, it's not really easy. It's fun, and if you do enjoy it, it is really easy. But you can't just go and interview people. You do need to have a set of questions. You said you do an hour's research. You have some key themes that you want to get out of it. You put your listener hat on. You ask what they would want to get out of it. You go onto your Facebook and your Twitter and your list, and you ask them, hey, I'm interviewing such and such. What do you want me to ask them? You think about the questions that they probably always get asked and avoid them and ask the ones that people would really love to ask. And I think... If you're going to go down the interviewing path, the big word is curiosity. Just be curious, and that will lend, lead to a, a wonderful interview. Hope that was of help. Awesome. Podcasting gold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, you've shared so much in this in this short episode. There's, there's so much that our listeners can get out and implement. So thank you very much for coming on. I have a, a, a curious question uh, for, from my own perspective, and hopefully you're happy to reveal it. But I've, I don't think I've ever heard you talk about listener numbers with your show. Would you be happy to reveal that? I'm pretty hopeless with numbers, Jake. I, I'm actually... A, a real qual qualitative guy, I need to be better with my numbers. So if I'm not going to reveal any because if I do, they're not going to be accurate. Suffice to say that I have a listener base in the tens of thousands and I was downloaded in 94 countries last month and that 70% of my audience is in Australia, 20% is in the US and then the rest is scattered between the UK, Canada, New Zealand and Kazakhstan. <laughs> and it's growing. The hosting costs continue to get a bit out of control. It's a bit like if you're paying tax, it means you're earning a lot. Of, the more tax you pay, the more money you're earning kind of thing. The more hosting fees I'm paying, the more people are listening. But that that's about as close as I can get to being accurate around that. And then just ranking really well both on Google and in iTunes, a couple of good scoreboards that I look to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you very much, Tim. 
that, as I said, that's a fantastic episode. I'm so glad you could come on. Where can our listeners find out a little bit more about you? Before I do that, Jake, well done to you, mate, for doing what you're doing with this. I've always had you in my mind as the travel agent, and I love the fact that you've been able, you said to me off the air a few weeks ago when we were setting up the interview, you've got your team in place now and structures and systems, which I really admire on your behalf to to allow you to do this and to enter another field. Well done, mate. I, I think it's great. Yeah, thank you. I do say this is a bit of a pet project. I really enjoy it, but just getting access to people like you is very enjoyable for me, getting on the line and chatting for 30 minutes. Love it. From my point of view, listeners, your listeners can go to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. That's the home of Australia's number one marketing show. And if you register there, then you are going to be the first to know not only when new episodes come out, but I'll be deferring to you as to maybe asking questions about who should I interview or I'm interviewing such and such. What do you want to ask them? Become part of the Small Business Big Marketing tribe that way. If there are listeners out there that are small business owners and really want to take their marketing to the next level, in a not in one-on-one, but on a small mastermind group, then I run a mastermind called the Deep Dive Mastermind every Tuesday via webinar. And in any one group, there's 10 motivated small business owners sitting around the virtual table via webinar hosted by me and everyone asks marketing questions of me and then I answer them and the rest of the group contributes as well. You can go to deepdivemastermind.com and and check that out. But that's a big plan of mine for the coming 12 months because it's just, I just love that bringing people together and helping them improve their marketing. So there's a couple of ways, Jake. Fantastic, Tim. Rightio, final question. Are you ready? Here we go. Drum roll. Uh, Drum roll, insert drum roll. Who is the most famous person you've ever met? I reckon you're stirring by asking that question because that's the question I ask at the end of my show. The most famous person I've ever met. Do you know what? I never actually got to meet them, but when I was studying marketing at uni, I did a study tour over in America and I was an 18-year-old kid and everyone would say, oh, you'll go to America and you'll meet famous people. And I go, yeah, sure. Like America's a big country, as if. But I landed in San Francisco, got out of the plane, checked into the hotel, went for a walk, saw a limo out the front of a hotel and said to the guy on the door, the, the concierge on the door, who's in the limo? And he said, that is Rob Lowe and Tom Cruise's car and they're in there having a drink. <laughs> but I never got to meet them. Oh, that's fantastic. And you're right. Um, it, that is certainly your signature. But um, I've never heard you answer it. So I, I needed to know. I didn't really answer it because I wasn't ready for it. But that, that's as close to big time fame. That one, one famous person that was a family friend is a guy, and many listeners won't remember this guy, but I was so chuffed to have him as a family friend. And he was a bit of a mentor in my early days, maybe of positioning myself as wanting to get into advertising and kind of media and maybe even podcasting. And he was a newsreader on Channel 9. He's a guy called Brian Naylor. And he, he was actually killed in the Ash Wednesday bushfires, not the Ash Wednesday, those, the Black Friday bushfires a few years ago now. But yeah, he, it was great. I love the fact that I knew a newsreader. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Tim, again, I thank you very much for you taking the time to come on today. Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in and we hope to speak to you again very soon. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> <laughs>